This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hi, LSPod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a good shot! Post for Shearer, goal! McLaughlin has it, oh, deflection, and it's a goal! Comes to Mitchell, it's another goal! Incredible hobble! Firstly, Ricky Aguilar playing as a second striker for Torquay United. And who can forget Chippenham Town 1, Swindon Town 3 in the Wiltshire Premier Shield quarterfinal. Oscar Massey and a much-needed brace for Tommy Adeloy with the goals. And, ah yes, Scott Lindsay has officially departed the club and joined Crawley Town. For the time being, we are Steve Mildenhall and Gavin Gunning's Red and White Army. Here to discuss, firstly, it's Connor. Hello, Connor. Hi, Rich. I was really disappointed to find out I couldn't get the Chippenham game when I follow last night. Um, doesn't seem to be like much hype for the Wiltshire Premier Shield out here in Germany. So I've missed out on that front, but um, I'm sure there's plenty we can dig into um, around what's going on with Swindon Town at the moment. I was there, but yeah, I kind of wish I wasn't. And also joining us is Terry. Hello, Terry. <laughs> Good evening. Connor, the funny thing is, it was available and I followed, just nobody told you. <laughs> what? Are you, is that genuinely? No. <laughs> oh, God, of course. There you go. I've been done. Yet another um, rendition of, does Connor know whether this is parody or not? Because it's all so weird. <laughs> <laughs> genuinely, though, the gantry didn't look safe 
last night because of the wind and rain. So it was probably for the best. I don't think the analysts managed to stay up there the whole time. Chaps, in-house LS pod historian Abbott Dave says this was the lineup for the pod when Scott Lindsay was appointed. What a way to bookend a tenure. Um, I would go into that, but first thing I want to say, Abbott Dave is an incredible, med- incredible medieval um, sort of term. Maybe like, I don't know, um, Monty Python. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Venerable Dave, we should call him, I think. You, you really couldn't plan for this, um, and, and we haven't planned for this. Um, so yeah, it's a really nice bit of symmetry, I think. Connor, you've gone back and listened to it. How were we? Um, I think we were incredibly measured, given how I, uh, I think I think we, we wanted it to work out for the best, and none of us were particularly convinced that it would. Um, and I mean, I think most of the stuff that we mentioned there sort of came true. And then at the end um, of my sort of 35 minutes or so listening, um, I felt very sad because we were talking about our aspirations for Jack Payne to stay on and... Uh, that didn't happen. So I think a lot of what we were discussing at the time is that, you know, this is this is one step along the road and there's a lot of other things that go into building a successful season, a successful squad. Um, some of those things ended up happening, some of them didn't. And then, um, you know, once the football starts, it takes on a life of its own. And I think it's been a weird tenure that I don't think has really changed that many people's opinions if they weren't one if they weren't one over at the, the beginning. So, yeah, it's quite a weird one, I think. Mm. Okay, well, we'll we'll talk about the tenure as the episode continues. Terry, the merry-go-round starts to move once again. As I mentioned there, we we will talk about Scott Lindsay's tenure in a bit more detail throughout this episode. But initial thoughts about this very prolonged confirmation, which we all knew a week ago, but we got on Wednesday the 11th. Yeah, it's, 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 I suppose it um, raises more more questions than answers, I think. This was always, we always knew as of almost a week ago now that, that uh, Scott and, and Jamie Day were heading to Gatwick. So it's sort of now at the point of, not for the first time, it feels like we're making a bit of a meal of it all. Um, and it just feels like we had a two-week gap here. And we are, as we sit here on Wednesday evening, two working days away from our next competitive fixture. And you can't help but think the the squad have had nothing but a disruptive build-up to to that game, which just seems again so unnecessary. It's the you know the the the, the transfer window is ticking down, our opportunity to prep for Saturday gone, and it just feels yet again that we've just made a bit of a meal of all of this um Scott Lindsay let's let get one thing straight Scott Lindsay has walked he's not been sacked this is his choice Crawley approached the club and wanted to talk to him the fact that it's taken six seven eight days to to get this done despite the fact that I think very few people in the fan base would have said anything other than you want to pay us money for this this is perfect um is is just super frustrating and and again it just raises alarm bells perhaps just at the, at the lack of experience when it, it, we have in the in the boardroom when it comes to running football clubs. And, and and that's what it all seems to be boiling down to at the moment. That's that's where most of my concern is. Okay, well, that leads us on quite nicely to the next section. All of the discussion points that we're going with in this episode have been provided to us by listeners of the pod. So we'll start with Sim Tech Joe, who simply put, 
18 months on and the club is run like we're in the tool station league. Now, that might be a little bit over the top, but the club have faced some criticism in the last week for essentially pulling the shutters down on town fans by not updating us on, well, anything. Uh, Clem Morfuni explained in the statement uh, discussing Lindsay's departure that due to legal protocols, we have been unable to provide comment or respond to questions regarding the futures of both Scott Lindsay and Jamie Day. That's fine, but it didn't explain why the club didn't push the recent news about the trust vote for the purchase of the county ground, push tickets for Grimsby, the ramping up to the second debut of Charlie Austin. Charlie Austin has re-signed for Swindon, promoting the charity drive for Stephen Darby's shirt, or making fans aware that Steve Mildenhall and Gavin Gunning's Red and White Army were playing Chipnam, and crucially for me, failed to warn us that it would cost £14 to get in. £14? £14 to get into a game which... And Chippenham did not play a full strength team either. But that's that's something for another another day. It was it was tough for me. Who was deciding on ticket prices? Clem? Oh, I don't know, <laughs> but full credit to the lady on the on the, uh, on the gates. She looked just as bashful about it as I looked confused <laughs> when I handed over my tenner and was told I needed to provide four pounds more. There was an avalanche of correspondence as soon as Lindsay and Day's departure was confirmed, which shows that it was a conscious decision. Connor, was the radio silence baffling by industry standards or a storm in a teacup peddled by people that really should find something better to do in their spare time? That's a very good question, Rich. And I, I think it's kind of it's, it's kind of neither but both at the same time, if that makes sense, I think there are more important things going on than like what Swindon Town post on social media outlets. But we have those outlets for a reason and that's to drive fan engagement. And that's one of the ownership's stated aims um, of like what we want to be the best in the 92 at. So to just go silent for five days, middle of the season at an important time, you know, January transfer window, um, like you say, re-debut, things going on. Like operationally, it would be good to, know what's going on with like the Chippenham fixture for example because you know it's not not going to impact me but there might be there may have been like 15 20 30 people that might have seen something about the Chippenham game um that they would they hadn't hadn't done until um too late and they might have gone down and put a a little bit of money into a local non-league club's coffers as an example um so I can understand why we don't put information out about the managerial situation it's not something that it we need to be privy to every step of the way between there being sort of inquiries and then up until the point that it's announced like we the club feed should just be official announcements on on that kind of thing but we also you know we the the club feed is not just announcing official things it's building a little bit of hype remember when this happened this this day seven years ago um you know, we're building up things like that. I, I really don't understand it. And it, it strikes me as quite unprofessional, really, because, I mean, if you look at Crawley's feed from a similar kind of time period, they're constantly updating on other things. And they're literally doing it. They're the other side of the, the thing in this. Like, that, it's a direct point of comparison. Um, and, and, and that's a club as well that are getting a lot of heat from their own fans at the moment for the way that they're being run. So um, I think possibly the club will say, you know, we've been stung in the summer by 
um, you know, a lot of incessant fans, probably myself included at that time, I can't remember, um, just begging for more information on what's going to happen. But if you create a vacuum, then that's what happens. And um, yeah, that's what they've done. So um, yeah, I, I think it, the criticism is right. I don't know if, it, if necessarily it's the most important thing in the world, but it's just one of those things. That, it's such a basic, I don't understand how you can't get it right. Terry, anything to add? Not really. It's just death by a thousand cuts, isn't it? It's just like, is this really, is this a really big, important thing that's happening at our club at the moment? No, absolutely not. Is it just another minor red flag that suggests that we, at the back office, we might be short of a couple of experienced operators? Yeah, it probably is. Ultimately, our social media channels, like any business, it's a marketing channel. It is purely a marketing channel. And the idea that we have given up trying to generate interest or demand or revenue or sales because a senior manager in the organization is leaving the business for six days is is bonkers. Uh, and the idea that we've done that because if we if we you know if we communicate that we have a game coming up or there's a you know something's happening or have you got your tickets or is the Stratton Bank open or not nobody knows because nobody's talking to us then if we just stop that because when we do that people respond yeah but what about Scott Lindsay I think you might need a bit of a bit more of a of a thicker skin um, and more faith and confidence in your in your own ability as a, as a marketeer. Be- it's as simple as that. Connor's dead right. It makes no sense. We'll move on to Scott Lindsay. Let's let's start with his first quotes as Crawley boss. They included, when Crawley put the approach into Swindon, I was immediately excited and wanted to see what it was all about. It was clear to see the plan that Chris and the owners have in place and how they want to move the club forward. Working with Chris every day will support me. And it is clear to see that this is a progressive club who are only looking to move forward. Terry, there's your first dig. That's a dig, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. Um, some other classic quotes that I pulled out in this. I think he said the word positive about 73 times. Somebody else can come <laughs> that and double check. And there was also a lot of talk about, about working really closely with director of football. I know that he's going to support me, which we obviously is a quote you've highlighted there. Um so yes, these are these are very very subtle um, flag wavings of of the bits and pieces of his role here that he didn't like. Um, yeah, it, 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 they are they are digs, but frankly, good on you, Scott. You've moved, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's another case of a manager who has seen an opportunity to go and earn a bit more money somewhere else, and, and off he pops after five months. It's simple as that. Connor, I still respect the chutzpah of Scott Lindsay, who I don't I don't see anything in the last week that suggests Swindon were planning to wield the axe here. So for him to find an opportunity, because I'm more than sure Crawley didn't just put their finger, rolled it down the, the, the division and went, well, let's try Swindon for Scott Lindsay's. Discussions have obviously happened at some point. So... You, you've got to respect that to a degree to your self-awareness to know that things aren't working out. Relationships aren't going as well as you wanted to. So I'm out of here. It's one of those things where we were discussing five months ago um, how we were the only club in the Football League that would have ever considered giving him a job at the point that we've given him the job. Um, obviously, by the time that he's been in the job for five months and he's got some Football League experience behind him, um, as a manager, 
then there might be a couple of others. So, um, yeah, Crawley in this case, bit of a basket case, wanting to run their club by a kind of similar model to what we're doing, but, um, you know, in a, in a different way, but, you know, data-driven with a, data, a director of football and a head coach. Um, you know, there are some superficial similarities there. And then you add to the fact that, you know, he's not a universal, universally popular manager at Swindon, um, probably, um, you know, has some frustrations in the way that sort of things have been going on in, in the background in terms of, I don't know, players that he's got that are available or, um, you know, just the internal politics or whatever. Like, don't know what those might be, but, you know, that's normal for a job. Um, and um, it's the sort of thing where, yeah, maybe the axe wasn't imminent, but it was certainly something that would be, definitely be in your in the back of your mind in the situation that he's in where, you know, results have not been great, performances have not been great, the fans are not all on side and it doesn't take that long of further bad results for that to become a bit of a perilous situation for him. So he's earned himself a bit of a stay of, an, of execution. He's got a second Football League management job. That probably establishes him. If this goes wrong, then he doesn't he doesn't really take much blame for it because they're a basket case anyway. If it goes well, he comes out with quite a lot of credit. So, um, you know, potentially, regardless of what happens to this, he might be able to get a third football league job. And, you know, I think that would have been beyond my wildest imagination five months ago. So um, credit to him, really. But, um, yeah, it, it's the sort of thing where I think in regular times, we would be wondering about, you know, loyalty and things that he's uh, throwing back quotes that he said in his face, similar to what's happened to Garner, similar to what happened with Wellens when he left, um, similar to what happened with Flickroft, which I feel like that's the most comparable situation to this. Um, you know, I just don't care. Like, I, I wanted him gone. He's left of his own volition. That actually works out for everyone, really, doesn't it? So um, fair play to him. And I don't really wish him any ill will either. Just, you know, hope we beat him when we next play him. I do think the, the, the only the only bit that I pick up on there, in, and I think Connor's dead right. I think the only bit that I that I'll pick up on is is this constant obsession with he's a good guy. Like a, unless you've had direct dealings with him, he was he spoke to the fans no more or less than any other manager. Yes, he did fist pump once after getting a draw at home. I do remember that. But but he. There is, you know, he's he's come out with exactly the same sort of quotes as Connor said, as all our other managers have in the last six, seven, eight years, and then left after five months at his first opportunity. And I guarantee, and and very subtly, but you can still pick it up in his quotes. It's because we were people were being mean to him. It looks like. Yeah, Swindon were very well. Swindon was so gushing in their praise for Lindsay in their farewell messages and imagery. So hopefully, it doesn't make us look a bit daft if uh, if Scott decides to go a little bit more blatant with with the digs. But I very much doubt that'll be the case. Maybe not until the end of the end of the season when we play him on the final day. Yeah, I mean, I think with that one as well, um, again, something that we discussed when he was hired is that you know this appointment was very much tied to Sandro's hip. Um, in terms of, you know, he made he made the appointment so much about him and that was his big first hire that he needed it to go well. So even in, you know, Scott Lindsay's tenure now being bookended and being something in the past, he still needs to spin that in, in, in some certain way. And he is a PR professional. That's, that's what he did before he um, somehow got this job. So um, it's... Uh, not really a surprise to me that 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 they've they're still spinning this um this tenure, which was a bit of a weird one for me. Yeah, that that's a that's a fantastic point, Connor, and not something that I think that that I've clocked on onto yet, and certainly we've not discussed off mic before this point. 
I think that's a great point. It it this it plays out so much better for Sandro Di Michele that Scott that we thank Scott Lindsay with a big gushing statement, and he's off and he's off of his own volition because he's got a job that's closer to home and a bit more cash. Um, because it we, it doesn't get chalked up as a as a as a Di Michele fail, does it? Um, so yeah, that, that's a really interesting point and definitely one that that I'm, I'm surprised more people haven't picked up on. Splendid. Well done, Connor. Yeah. Uh, yes, we'll, come on. <laughs> we'll we'll move on to the good and bad with a message from Ricky who says, in relation to the Lindsay tenure, for me, it's about fulfilment of expectation. Scott Lindsay promised us fast attacking football and what we got was a slow possession-based negative style. Results have been meh, table position meh, but lost the fans with tactics that did not entertain. So across the board here, Terry, sentiment amongst the fans includes this being the best for both parties, general happiness that Lindsay has gone, and as already highlighted, the most sympathetic line being that it's a shame that it didn't work out because Lindsay is a, quote, good guy. We'll see how that plays out on the final day of the season. Dan and Dave did a good job discussing the tenure of Scott Lindsay last week. But what what was the good and what was the bad for you? I feel that this is going to go down like the Morris Malpass era, where we'll kind of forget about it in, in a few years' time. And that'll be that. Yeah, well, when I was reading through your your pre read, Rich, I, I was sort of thinking about this this um, item on the running order and, and how do you, through an audio format, best convey a shrug? <laughs> it, it's it's sort of Morris Malpass. Yeah, and it is more it is, isn't it? It's like the best thing that we can say about Scott Lindsay is some people think he's a good guy. That that's 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 it. Like. I've had no direct or indirect dealings with Scott Lindsay. I don't think he's as is a good or a bad person because I don't know him. Also, frankly, it doesn't really matter. Um, ultimately, and I, he did sort of he was hoisted by his own petard a little bit, and and it's funny that he's gone and made the same promises in in the Crawley unveiling video. This idea of fast attacking football, pressing, winning the ball back, dominating possession, um, being aggressive just didn't happen did it it just did not happen and look he might chalk that up to well that's the way I want to play but in the system I'm not allowed to go and do the recruitment that's done by the McKayley I didn't have the players to play how I wanted to play I'm sure that's how he'll spin it but frankly all of the promises he's made to Crawley fans today he made to us and every single one of them turned out to just be nonsense just not true um and it was just super boring the the, the football was really boring completely forgettable um, Results-wise, completely forgettable, and and yeah, I think very quickly we'll just it'll either be chalked up as one of a string of really forgettable NAF appointments as we linger in League Two, or it'll go down as that fellow who managed for a couple of months before so and so came in and, and finally got us out of League Two. Either way, it's going to be a footnote on whatever happens next, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those ones where, if, if you look back, I, I just think there wasn't much knowledge of how to manage a League Two football team from him. And we mentioned as well at points that the assistant would be um, a key hire and they, they hired a guy whose experience is sort of, you know, piddling around non-league in Bangladesh. 
So, um, you know, probably good for us that he's gone um, as well. We can hopefully bring in a little bit more like Naus because I think for me, I mean, I, I think I, I listened to sort of some of the podcasts in recent weeks and there's discussions about, um, you know, whether we're getting the most out of the players possible or if they're, he has been dealt a week hand. And I think it's it's a little bit both. I think we could be doing better with what we've had. And I also think that the squad wasn't exactly what Scott Lindsay would have as, in his image based on the football he said that he wanted to play in the football we've been seeing. But maybe just a bit more of an experienced operator in that back room would have maybe just put his foot down on sort of, you know, maybe not letting people go, getting slightly better players over the line. Um, or, um, you know, just playing your best players when they're available rather than second best players in the same position. Um, you know, I think that's the way that I will remember the Lindsay era is, you know, optionally choosing not to play the player that you've described as the best midfielder in the league. Um, it's just in, in a nutshell, that's the Scotland's era for me. And, you know, I, I will kind of see it with a shrug and, and, and that kind of stuff as well. But I think when I think about that, that will just kind of gnaw away at me that, you know, depending how we do second half of the season, it might not matter. But if, we, if we're if we short by a few points at the end of the season, despite having a good second half of the season, I will just be thinking like, come on, lad. we could have done a lot better in the first half. But it's what it is. A couple of messages here. Mark, don't blame Lindsay for leaving. Was constantly accused of being the cheap option. A significant number of fans never really took to him. And Crawley is closer to home. From a club's perspective, it saved paying him off. And Stephen D says his position wasn't helped by sniping and criticism on social media. Remembering managers, players and owners are like buses. Another one will be along shortly. So, Terry... We were we the collective that bad as fans, some mild booing, some fans screaming into the social media abyss. But Lindsay always says he didn't read, you know, he didn't look, he didn't know nothing, he didn't know anything about social media. That was always the, the line in the presses. But surely to goodness, we were nowhere near painting protest signs saying down with this sort of thing or careful now, were we? It was. We weren't that bad. No, I've, I've got to be careful here because this whole section triggers me quite badly. I, I, the whole, you know, some some of the con- contributed contributions there to suggest his position wasn't helped by sniping and criticism on social media. I mean, the two two point, well, a couple of points here. A, as you said, Scott Lindsay doesn't read social media. He said that. B, if he's lying and does, and this is the thing that drove him away from our club, then good riddance because. Come on, grow up. And C, most importantly, every single fan of this club is a customer. This is an entertainment business. Our crowds are extraordinary for this level of football. And they're extraordinary for the product that we, that we are currently being given. M- many, many clubs would have reacted significantly worse than, than our fans have. So the idea that somehow our fans aren't positive enough and that's why we've lost Scott Lindsay is frankly nonsense. Reading around, there are already some town fans who are realigning and making it clear that they will take mild delight if we tank the season because Lindsay leaving is what we fans wanted. But it appears that the club weren't ready to wield that axe. So ultimately... What we wanted means nothing as the club didn't act on our wishes. Lindsay left on his own terms. 
Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately a lot of people, and this is not digging anyone out, this is just like saying what you see on social media in all kind of spheres of public life at the moment. Like a lot of people care more about being correct or like pushing a narrative before it's popular than actually things being good and things happening that they actually want. And so there there probably are a lot of people that, you know, will kind of have a bit of a controversial take um, on this on this kind of topic. Uh, and they will be happy when they're proven if well, if they're proven right, even if that's actually to the detriment of the club because we've not gone up. For example, not that they will be happy that we've not gone up, but they'll be able to say, "Look what I said back in January of 2023," um, and that will make them happy. So that that's just that's just human instinct to want to be able to prove how smart you are. Something you said before, whatever. What I think is uh, really interesting about this narrative that people should have got behind Scott Lindsay. Like, do you not remember the summer? Like, there was so much, like, of an outpouring of, like, excitement and, like, almost tub-thumping glee when he was announced Um, in terms of, like, you know, get behind him, back him. You know, he's a great guy. He's going to be amazing for the club, attacking football, all of this kind of stuff. And it's just, the only reason it's unraveled is because the proof is in the pudding and the pudding was not particularly great to watch. Uh, So, you know, I, I was kind of not convinced for a while it, did, it didn't take too long of things not being great for me to be sort of hoping all along that well for a while at least that sort of we would uh replace him um but you know when credit was due um i came on the podcast and said that credit was due and gave it um when he was you know when he did something that deserved criticism i also was quite happy to say that and i think that's the, the vast majority of fans that's what that is um, it, yeah, if, if he can't take it, then fine. I mean, you're you're stepping into a much more difficult situation. You know, lack of fan base, notwithstanding the uh, you know the off pitch situation there. That reading a couple of articles about that um, in the Guardian and Athletic over the past couple of weeks seems a nightmare and, and worse than what we've got. Um, so um, yeah, I I don't I don't understand the narrative of it. I I just think it's one of those things. Yeah, probably a few people have said things that crossed the line. Um, I'm sure that, you know, he'll have heard things in person as well when he's walked around the town or um, at games on match day that he's not particularly happy with. But at the end of the day, you know, I, f- I feel like that happens to so many people and you you would just ignore it if you've got a bit of a figure hide. But we, we, we haven't won a home game since the middle of October. And we're still getting eight and a half, nine, nine and a half thousand people through the door. To suggest that the, the the fans are behind this club, and and the hires and the manager and the owner is just is just not true. It's not true. So so whatever sort of whatever sort of straws people are clinging to here, and for whatever reason they're doing it, they can they can crack on. And like you said, Connor, if it makes them happy in the summer when we miss out, then then sure. But to suggest that our it, it, the fan base haven't been positive enough about Scott Lindsay, and it's all and it and it's all our own doing, and he's ridden off into the sunset to to be manager of Crawley because we don't deserve him is is just a really strange narrative. The only positive is at Crawley he won't have any fans to boo him, <laughs> so he'll be fine. He can just live in silence. <laughs> Sounds good. Moving on to the influence of Charlie Austin and sticking with you, um, Terry, in just a moment. Pete Marsh says the signing of Charlie Austin meant that not gaining promotion was down to him. Well, gaining promotion 
would be down to Austin was naive to appoint him. He needed EFL experience coach as his assistant. Whether this is the right angle of Austin being a catalyst. Yeah, I think there's probably definitely something in this. I'm not quite sure I would come at this 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 um this thread from the same angle that Pete has there. Um, and look, if we do gain promotion, whether it's down to Charlie Austin or not, I don't. It, it, it's, it's no odds, really. But I do think there's something in this, and I think you and I explored this, Rich, didn't we, in our in our post Colchester pod, in terms of if um, if Scott Lindsay is growing increasingly unhappy with a number of different elements of his role at the club, culminating in in him choosing to walk away, the, the assigning that he clearly played very very little role in wouldn't have helped that. So. Yeah, is it is it the deciding factor? Probably not. Is it is there is it likely that Austin signing for us and the manner in which that signing came to be is that going to be part of the mix here in terms when it comes to Scott's decision to walk away? I think I think that's probably a reasonable assumption. Yeah, no, I completely agree with looking at it in that way. I think if if he was looking at it in the way of you know if we miss out on promotion, then I'm to blame, and if um, we get promotion, then Austin is to uh, thank for it, then I think that's just an unnecessarily vain way for the manager to be looking at things. Like, the team is not... It shouldn't all, all be about him. And I think as man, as um, sort of fans, we quite often will make things all about certain individuals when they, they maybe aren't, even if they have a big sway in things. And, you know, changing a manager is easier than changing the whole team. Um, but... You know, if he'd have got a promotion, I don't think he'd care because he's got a promotion on his CV as an EFL manager. That's a huge thing. Um, so should it bother him whether we then discuss it later on that, uh, you know, it might have been down to one of the players instead of him? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think it's probably one of those things where, again, you know, if you're already kind of unhappy and, um, you know, struggling with different areas of your job, then... Um, Probably another thing added on top of that, that can be the, the straw that breaks the camel's back, or it can be, you know, one thing that leads on to the next thing that eventually does break the, the camel's back. So, yeah, I would look at it like that. And I think that's a fair, fair enough way of seeing it. Yeah, let's look to the future. A message from Simon saying, not blaming STFC, but the timing is so unhelpful. Just like in the summer, we are losing crucial time in signing much-needed talent. Others are snapping up players. Even though Sandro has not left, he will not find it easy persuading players to join until managerial certainty is there. Connor, we are two weeks into the transfer window, and although I know the main business comes at the end of the month, I've barely thought about it. But... (laughs) <laughs> I think he kind of has a point, doesn't he? Oh, no, no, without doubt. I mean, it's it's another point where the managerial change is coming at quite an inopportune time. And I think last time it was completely self-enforced because we dragged out the Ben Garner situation for far longer than it needed to be and then dragged out appointing a successor even later um, to the point where it was getting to, to like the edge of pre-season before we would even had staff to like be in the building to plan stuff. Um, in this case, obviously, it's not quite so critical. We've probably lost like so far six days of the transfer window and then we'll see how long it takes us to appoint the successor. Hopefully, it won't be another couple of weeks. Hopefully, it'll be a couple of days at, at maximum and then you can 
just carry on. Hopefully, we've got a plan that was in place before that we can carry through. Um, or if it is going to be a case of a manager's going to have to recruit, then hopefully they're going to bring someone in who already has an idea about the sort of players that they want and that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I, it, it's not ideal. It might not be to our huge... Um, it might it might not be something that's hugely hurtful for us in the end if we do things right later on in the window. Um, you know, we we typically wouldn't have done very much business so far, and we we've signed Charlie Austin in this window, which seems weird because it happened quite a while ago. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, like so, I kind of I I agree. It's really unnecessary, and I suppose that the thing that you could probably criticise the club over is it is another change of power in a managerial sense that just seems to have taken longer than was actually necessary. Like if there is a report on a Thursday, then that, you know, manager has left the club. Um, You know, I can't imagine there was any sort of smoke without fire there. And um, how has it then taken six days to like get everything all sorted? I don't think these processes are that difficult really, but you know, I could be wrong, but you know, every, every other club seems to be able to do it. So, Terry, when we spoke after Colchester, we were very comfortable with Scott Lindsay exiting as soon as possible. But does Simon have a point here? Does Simon have a point? Um, in the very, very short term, maybe, but in the medium to long term, it shouldn't impact us too much. If, if, and it's a huge if. If the system works with Sandro Di Michele running football operations and the head coach running um, the first team squad and and the uh, winning football matches, then in theory this doesn't impact us at all in terms of in terms of, of acquiring t- um, talent. But you know, realistically, as, as Simon said and, and as Connor said, there we know it will have a slight impact. Um, I, I, again, it's it's just it, it isn't ideal. But I, I think it's a little bit of a red herring. We wouldn't have expected to do much business by this point anyway. And I'd rather the new manager has the next 20 days, 18 days, whatever, of the window than just Scott Lindsay being here in six weeks. You know, this is this is by some distance the best outcome. A message from Jilly who says, good for Scott Lindsay. Hope he does well in Crawley, but not too well a, uh, hope he doesn't take gladders with him, as the rumours suggest. On we go. Hope they make the correct decision this time. Already, Ben Gladwin and Ellis Iandolo have been linked with joining Lindsay at Crawley. Could be lazy journalism, but... Well, we like to make money on players, don't we? So it can't really be dismissed, can it? I don't think it could be dismissed. I think Ellis is probably more likely than Ben Gladwin. Um, but again, if we... If we're if we're completely committed to um, everything that Sandra De Michele tells us in terms of developing players is more is is the most important thing, even more important than winning football matches, um, then ultimately the the, the long term future for Ben Gladwin probably isn't at this club, which is really really unfortunate because I think he's been one of our better players and this season and was outstanding the first eight ten weeks of the season. So look, who knows? Um, at this point. Predicting the next move here is 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 beyond us. I think. I think you know. If, if a week ago, the idea of Scott Lindsay choosing to leave us getting compensation for him 
him going to another club in our division and then being linked with taking some of our players was absolutely fanciful. So, you know, we could sit here and say Gladys is STFC for life um, and got it tattooed on his knuckles, but who knows? Who knows? We'll just maybe be made to look silly in a week's time. I hope both stay um, because I like both of them. I think they're both very good players for us and... Uh... Yeah, it would it would seem like a weird one, uh, but obviously, if if the offer's great, then yeah, whatever. I mean, it, managers like to work with players that they've worked with before, and especially for someone like him, who you know, if he has left because he's been criticised by fans, then maybe having a couple of sort of noble lieutenants in in the dressing room might be what he needs to feel comfortable at Crawley. I don't know. Um, no idea what's behind it. And I mean, if you're the, the players, it seems like a bizarre move. Other than, I mean, they will be earning probably a fairer whack than they, they will be at Swindon if they do go to Crawley with um, all of the crypto money. And one of the one of the things I saw in this athletic article was that they made five million from their third kit or something like that due to it being an NFT. Uh, so, um, you know, maybe that's the only reason it would make sense or maybe they really absolutely love Scott Lindsay. Um, but yeah, I mean, if like looking at it sort of as a footballing decision, you're choosing chaos and a relegation battle, um, not knowing what's going to happen at, at the end of the season. To you know, I mean, not that, not that everything's unchaotic with us, but you know, at least we're at the right end of the table and uh, with the right appointment should be up there. So maybe it's one of those ones that um, it, it depends on what's on the table and also who you bring in, what happens. But um, yeah, not not entirely surprised to see that kind of move touted. Um, and yeah, if, if he is going to take some players from us, I hope it's just not, the not so good ones. Okay, let's start to wrap this episode up by talking about Scott Lindsay's possible replacement. And a message from Chris, who says, we're going to have to act quicker than we did when we brought Lindsay in. Sandro may well be responsible for transfers, but what player is going to want to come here when they don't know who the manager is? We need stability to keep hold of our current loan players that we want to keep as well. So, so far, ex-crew manager David Artel has expressed interest in the position. The experienced Chris Hewton has been mentioned and betting has been suspended with ex-QPR coach and currently at Como in Italy. Who'd want to leave that gig? Mark Bircham as the favourite. So at time of recording on the 11th of January, betting has already been suspended. I definitely think there needs to be an element of punctuality, but it's probably more important, isn't it, that the club get this appointment right? Yes, it's it's not absolute be all and end all that this person is announced tomorrow. Like that that in the in the grand scheme of things, it will make no difference. Where um, what I would expect is the new man is in the stands by at the weekend with. Um, Mad Gav and and Steve Milton who are taking the team, so punctuality, yes, um, some speed of thought and some decisive decision making, yes. But we do need to get this right. I tell you, one person who needs to get this right more than any, Mister Dimicaley, that I think he's skating on thin ice anyway with some of the some of the noise that we hear about about him. Um, Ultimately, this this club from boardroom down is bereft of any genuinely experienced operators in football. And Dimicheli was pegged as that person. Um, now, what's become clear when you dig into it is his role at Wigan was a little bit 
here or there. I don't think anybody really knows how how involved he was there. Um, and the summer was a disaster, really, in terms of the appointment of the manager, both in terms of the outcome and in terms of the process. So we need to get this right and we need to get the process right as well as the outcome. Um, they're both equally important because if we if we get it wrong again, I think it it's it's going to be curtains for 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 Sandro and but but more importantly, and I said this in the post in the post Colchester game as well. The positive sentiment the fans have for this club is not is not unlimited, and it's not perpetual. And at some point, people will start more people than than us, and, and the general sentiment will start shifting towards. What is actually going on here? Where is the experience? Where is the where, where are the, the the boardroom operators who know how to run a, a, a successful football league club? Why are we making the same mistakes over and over again? Uh, so it's super important we get both the process and the outcome right, and and it's really important that they happen sooner rather than later. He has a real chance to make amends if he if if he is leading the um, process to find the new appointment because. If we sort of accept that Scotland Z as an appointment was, you know, a little bit of a flawed one in the end, even if it's not worked out as a complete and utter unmitigated disaster, um, he came into that and had to make a choice sort of very early into his role. In he's now got five six months of experience in the role. Um, he should have been able to spend that time kind of beginning succession planning, which anyone in those kind of situ- those kind of positions should have half a mind to the fact that you might have to change the manager at some point during the season or in the summer, just having names that you want to speak to and, um, you know, maybe kind of conversations that you've just had in the background over the course of months. Um, Hopefully those have all been ongoing because, you know, that's when you can then kind of, now that there is a hot seat, you can refresh those kind of conversations and and bring people in and hopefully um, that's what makes it a quicker process. Um, so I'm hoping that that's the case and we, we've had six days where we I guess the club have known it's at least very likely that Scott Lindsay was leaving so we could have started then and hopefully we have um, so it'll be interesting to see obviously it's probably too late now for the weekend so we're looking more towards the Walsall game in a week on Saturday um, to hopefully be able to have the new man um, come in and uh, yeah make their stamp on things um, I think from my side um, I think Terry's really correct to point out the sort of lack of footballing experience at sort of a serious level um, that we've got throughout the hierarchy. And, you know, that can sometimes be a positive and kind of seeing from the outside maybe some limitations in the approach that people do in football. But I think it would it would be good to kind of have someone who's just in that world and locked in and they know they know how these things go and they can maybe correct sort of little points here and there that the hierarchy just aren't quite getting right in a footballing sense. Um, so, you know, maybe where I would tend to sort of look at sort of some of the like exciting academy managers for a usual appointment. And I think the summer would have been a perfect time for that kind of appointment where you're trying to lay down a marker and do something exciting. I think now you may be looking for a little bit more of a slightly more experienced operator, safer pair of hands, someone who's done the job a few times, uh, a couple of other clubs, had some success and obviously have some some fails, failures as well that they will have to learn from. So that's the kind of thing that I'm looking at. And, um, you know, 
not going to like run through the list of like all of the bookies names and that kind of thing. But you know, th- there are some names on there that they're not exciting, but I think they would do a pretty good job. And um, yeah, some that sort of seem unlikely, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, what kind of direction we go down. Cause that will, that will be quite instructive. I think. Yeah. Uh, until then though, we are Steve Mildenhall and mad Gav's red and white army. And Terry, I can't help myself. I'm kind of excited by all this unknown <laughs> how it's all going to play out I've, they have my attention and I'll be keenly looking at those bookies lists because if it's anything like last summer it's going to be a different name every day it's going to be wild is it isn't it I mean I, I just can't wait to, to have someone nicknamed Mad Gav do a pre, do a pre and post match press conference absolutely sensational um, yeah look who knows as, as I said as, as we've touched on with the um with the with the players being linked with moves, I think predicting the next the next step in this story at the moment is is just a mugs game. Um, it's the, the twists and turns continue. Um, the, the the word of caution is that if you get it wrong, and the first five or six games under the new manager are as bad as the last five or six under the under the old one that positive sentiment just disappears incredibly quickly and light and the light and the torch will get, will, will get, will get stop will be, will be, I've got my teeth in the light and the torch will be shined on, on those people who are taking those decisions ultimately. So yeah, here's to Saturday. Here's to Mad Gav's Red and White Army. And, and most importantly, here's to the legend that is Steve Mildenau and his uh, unwavering loyalty. Absolutely. Well, I'm off to start a fanzine called Mad Gav's Beanie Hat. Connor, thank you very much. Thank you. Terry, thank you very much. Cheers, Rich. The Low Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork was designed by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Has a bubble. Hi, Alice Pod fans. It's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.